Este complemento solo extraño a mi amigo. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. I'm your host this week, running solo, uh, Daniel Dwyer. Mr. Drew Scanlon is on location in uh, in the Ukraine. He might be at the Eurovision right now. He may be he may be knee deep in toxic waste. I I cannot tell you, uh, but. That means that you're stuck with me, the Irish guy, talking about Formula One for the next, we'll see. I don't know how long, but we've got a lot to get through. we got some news about uh, everything that's been going on in the world of F1. Uh, we've got a race as well in a couple of days. We've got a bunch of stuff to talk about uh, in relation to that. We're going to talk about the circuit. Circuit, well, it's, what is it? It's officially now Circuit de Barcelona, Catalonia. So we'll talk about that uh, a little bit. Yeah, I'm sure we're all very familiar with it at this stage. Uh, we got racing around the world. I'll try my best NASCAR accent. It's going to be a real up and down journey, folks, but you're stuck here with me, so we might as well just grit our teeth and make the most of it. Um, the intro, that was uh, Estoicom. said, I'm all alone. I miss my friend, is what I said at the start, um, because I do miss my friend Drew. I, I wonder, does Drew know Spanish? I forget. I, th- I feel like we've had this conversation before that like he maybe did it for a couple of years and wasn't so hot and then had to it's like me with french i can't i couldn't replicate that sentence in french if i if i tried or irish could i try it in irish i could say anything in irish you wouldn't have a clue what i'm talking about spanish grand prix on this weekend um which is uh it's the circuit that whenever i pick up the new f1 game i always drive it because it's got it's not very difficult there's really only one place to overtake <laughs> and there's a lot of uh there's a lot of turns that you are you're upshifting uh, while accelerating, which is always fun. It's kind of like spa. There's lots of like fast turns where your your braking isn't super obvious. You're not trying to hit the apex, um, so it's always a fun one to drive around. And then in terms of results, it's actually produced quite a lot of winners uh, over the past decade, you could say, uh, including one uh, certain Venezuelan driver who is the uh, the icon of uh, Shift F1, at least on Twitter. But before we get into that, shall we jump into some news uh, in relation to the Spanish Grand Prix? In fact, this one from motorsport.com. Uh, FIA, uh, CEO of Formula One, Mr. Chase Carey himself, says that the relaxation of social media rules for drivers and the teams has been a success and that the uh, new initiatives to engage fans will be launched over the Spanish Grand Prix weekend. So this is part of the sort of wider um, Liberty Media endeavor to modernize and get more fans on board for F1. Uh, they used to have a lot of restrictions on 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 where you could, you know, take photographs and, and the amount of. I mean, they were they were pretty restricted across the board. The amount of people even that could get down to the to the um, garages over the weekend um, has been expanded on a lot as well. Uh, but the story continues. Uh, the sports key player has also, uh, sorry, sports keys players uh, have been allowed to post video content from the F1 paddock on social media since uh, the Barcelona preseason tests. Uh, we unleashed our drivers, teams, promoters, and more on social media, which resulted in three to four fold growth in areas like video engagement on social media. Said Gary, I'm having flashbacks to when I worked at Gamespot here. Uh, As part of the process, we are also reviewing the broader race weekend in areas like support races to enhance and improve the experience for fans. 
we have to do, we have a lot to do. Uh, we're off to a good start with four races under our belt, attendance up and strong results in TV viewership and digital engagement. I love digital engagement. Um, that last part was me, not, not Chase Carey. It's interesting. I mean, I feel like when we went to the American Grand Prix, there was a pretty broad palette of things to do. Um, which I haven't, I mean, you can only talk about the races you've been to, but even when I went to Silverstone, I felt like that was a little bit more buttoned up, whereas, you know, having a Taylor Swift concert, always a fun excuse, but even the support races for that were, were pretty fun. They had a this sort of a mixed open wheel race with uh, different generations of, uh, of various Formula One cars racing each other um, and a bunch of other support races and then things to do. I, I mean, I feel like that was a pretty good modern circuit as well to, to have a, a good infrastructure for things to do when you're not sitting in your seat as well. So uh, it's cool to see them sort of expand um, on that in, in various sort of territories. Um, we move into the European portion of our season in Barcelona this weekend, says uh, Chase Carey, where we'll launch a few more things to engage fans. It should be fun. Uh, Carey revealed that F1 is focusing on getting better understanding of exactly who makes up its fan base. He said, we're also building tools that did not previously exist, like research, databases, digital platforms, and marketing capabilities to provide the necessary insight and information to grow and deepen our fan base around the world. Uh, so that's pretty interesting as well, that I'm sure Eggleston and, and the old guard were pretty happy with just the turnstiles turning, regardless of who was coming in, but uh, carrying them, you know, using some, some consumer analytics to really figure out who's coming and, and how best to serve those people. Which is like, you know, which is crucially important in any business. So to think that they didn't have the tools in place is, I wouldn't say shocking, considering <laughs> considering how form was run, but uh, interesting at the very least. And to round up the story, Kerry also stressed that he wants to see more overtaking without compromising the faster, more spectacular cars that the 2017 rules have produced. So there you go. More news. Jensen Button tells Sky F1 that Monaco Grand Prix return a dream. Uh, of course, the Monaco Grand Prix, right around the corner, once we were done with Spain at least. Uh, unless you're a Formula E fan, and it's actually on this weekend. Uh, but JB is coming back, if you did not know. Uh, Fernando Alonso going, doing his little IndyCar stint. We're going to talk a little bit about that in a hot second. He's doing the 500 in a Honda car. Uh, so JB is coming back to, uh, to reprise his role in F1. And it's been interesting because, I mean... For those of you who watched last season, we were talking a lot about how Button seemed like he was kind of done with it. It was a 20-race season. It was quite a quite a lot of racing to do, quite a lot of traveling. So to see him come back immediately, I mean, we're used to people coming back from retirement. Felipe Massa's very short retirement in between the 2016 and 2017 seasons. But um, it's been interesting. I've wanted to hear from JB about this because it is funny that somebody who seemed so burnt out is coming back you know, six races into the season or whatever. Uh, Jensen Button, sorry, this, uh, I have to find a story. I, th I think this might have been from F1 Fanatic. Yeah, let me look it up. Uh, Jensen Button says, returning to F1 for the Monaco Grand Prix is a dream. Uh, this one actually from SkySports.com. Um, a dream that any driver would want to live, uh, despite feeling as though he is quote-unquote, done my time in the sport. Six months after beginning, what was still to be expected, or what is still expected to lead to a full F1 retirement, Button will make what stands as a one-off return with McLaren in Monaco later this month, while Fernando Alonso competes at the Indianapolis 500. When 
speaking to uh, an interview with Ted Kravitz, which will air on Sky Sports F1, exclusively live Spanish Grand Prix coverage on May 14th. God, I really should have looked through this before I put, copied it in here. Uh, <laughs> Sky getting free promotion. Button says he could not turn down the request uh, and that his excitement, quote-unquote, is now building. Of course, what, do we really need to quote excitement? Uh, of course, when the chance came to race in Monaco, I was going to take it, says Button at McLaren's Woking headquarters. Uh, I don't want to be a racing in Formula One for a whole season because I've done my time in Formula One. I've loved most of my career, but it is time for me to have a break. But to come back for the Monaco Grand Prix, well, that is just the dream for a racing driver. So he seems to be happy to just pop back for Monaco. Um, the way drivers talk about Monaco, in fact, the way JB's talked about Monaco um, in the past has very much been uh, with a sort of a, uh, a glint, glitter in his eye, as it were. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. I mean, it is one of the you know most important races and in, in, uh, in, 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 you know, it's in the Triple Crown for a reason. So I'm, I'm sure he's very um, uh, happy to come back. So that's that's good news. Good to know they're not twisting his arm, as it were. It's the Spanish Grand Prix, so I figured we should probably have an entire section devoted to the one and only Fernando Alonso. Yeah, Fernando Alonso's Indy 500 very important for McLaren-Honda relationship, says ESPN.co.uk. Uh, Fernando Alonso, of course, as we said, the other side of that story, Jason Jensen Button is uh, taking a break to race in Indy uh, for the very first time. So it should be a fun time for him. He's missing the Monaco Grand Prix as a result, but apparently this is also helping sort of grease the wheels, as it were, the relationship between McLaren and Honda, which uh, almost came to a head and to an end uh, this season, uh, it sounds like. Uh, the story reporting Fernando Alonso's participation in Indy 500 is quote-unquote very important for McLaren's partnership with Formula One engine supplier Honda, according to the team's executive director, Zach Brown. Alonso will skip the Monaco Grand Prix later this month to drive at the Indy 500 in an Andretti Autosport car uh, running under the, the McLaren-Honda name. The opportunity was partly born out of the F1 team's desire to start the season, uh, which has seen... Uh, Powerboard of the F1 team's dire starts to the season, apologies, which has seen Alonso become increasingly frustrated with the performance and reliability of his car's Honda power unit. So bad was the situation at the start of the year that McLaren explored the possibility of a switch to a Mercedes power, uh, but in recent weeks has reiterated its commitments to Honda. Brown believes the position, or sorry, the positive news stories that are being generated by Alonso's appearance in Honda-powered car in Indianapolis are helping to ease the tension between chassis and engine manufacturers. Uh, it is very important, he said. Obviously, we are having a very challenging time on the track, uh, which I'm assuming he means F1, which leads to a lot of questions about the partnership between McLaren and Honda. Uh, the partnership is going to be getting stronger and we felt like uh, this was a good way to demonstrate that McLaren, Honda and Alonso are one group and we are committed to each other and committed to winning. Are they, are they going for relationship counselling? What's going on? Um, sorry, and committed to winning. And it's great that Honda has such a competitive platform in IndyCar. It sure is, Zach. Um, yeah, I mean, two of the stories this week have been about positive engagement in terms of news, so <laughs> I feel like F1 is slowly turning into a, into some sort of a, 
next they're going to be generating clickbait for revenue. Uh, yeah, it's it's really weird that this is for. In my head, I feel like the way me and Drew have been talking about this, we've been talking about it as if it's fun for, to do, let Alonso do something that's like, I don't know, where he may be competitive. I know very little about the competitiveness of, of IndyCar and, and where exactly he stands in that. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting to see that this is actually maybe more to do with the relationship between the engine manufacturer and the chassis manufacturer than anything else. And that maybe Alonso's doing him a solid. Um, uh, I guess we'll, you know, we'll have, I'll have to, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna enjoy watching that race just to see how he does. Although it's on the, is that the same time as Monaco? I'll probably get a get a VOD version or whatever. Uh, at the other side of that story, the third side of this coin, as it were, Mark Weber saying uh, this one from Crash.net. Alonso asked me to join him at Indy 500. Uh, Crash.net reports Mark Weber has revealed that Fernando Alonso asked him to come and race at the Indianapolis 500 but the ex-Red Bull Formula 1 driver had no interest in entering an oval event. Alonso shocked the motorsport world, shocked, by announcing his entry into the 27... I wouldn't say shocked, I'd say excited. Uh, by announcing his entry into the 2017 Indy 500 last month, opting to skip the Monaco Grand Prix as part of his bid for the triple crown of motorsport that also features Le Mans. Uh, Weber is one of the few drivers in recent years to attempt uh, two legs of the Triple Crown, having won at Monaco twice in Formula 1. Uh, the Australian failed to win the Le Mans despite running close with Porsche in... Uh, Porsche, sorry, I say Porsche in America. Um, Porsche in recent years before announcing his retirement from racing at the end of last year. Uh, I would have liked to, uh, liked to, of course, win Le Mans. Uh, I went very close, led every year I was there uh, pretty fast as well in certain years, uh, and it didn't line up for us. But I, was, uh, but I wasn't interested in Indy, Weber said when asked by Crash.net if he considered chasing the Triple Crown. Uh, I wasn't overly interested to go there. I have absolute respect. My heroes like Rick Mears and Mario, Mario Frankidi, uh, and Al Usner, these guys, uh, Roger Pensk. Uh, Dario is a good friend of mine. Sorry, Dario Frankie. I've seen Mario Frankie. Um, uh, Scott Dixon, Will Power. I have maximum respect for those guys, but it's something uh, I didn't want. I never really wanted to go and see. I think I would do well in oval racing. Rocky, who was Sebastian Vettel's engineer at Red Bulls, he said, you would go really well on ovals. I'm not sure if that's a compliment or not. Um, he did a lot of work uh, with Sebastian Bourdais at Newman Haas, and he said, look, Mark, you would be perfect for ovals. I said, thanks, but I'm probably not going to try. Weber admitted that he had, uh, sorry, that had he won Le Mans, he would have faced more pressure to enter the 500 as he would have completed two legs of the Triple Crown, but revealed that Alonso raised the idea over the Bahrain Grand Prix weekend. Uh, Weber says, that's a close shave because if I did get to the next step, I had pressure. Maybe it's good that I stayed on the second step then I would have uh, had a bit more pressure. Uh, Fernando still asked me to do, uh, to maybe to try Indian Bahrain, yeah. Speaking about Alonso's decision to enter 500, Weber was uh, full of praise for the Spaniard respecting his call. Really hats off to him to give it a go, born out of a frustration of his current uh, situation clearly in Formula 1. Uh, Weber said, he would not be doing so if he was winning races in F1, we know that. Never a driver has had so much press with no results in F1 this year. Uh, this year, it's been a disaster campaign for him. I just wish him the best and hope he has a good run over there. And let's see. Yeah, so interesting times 
for Fernando Alonso. Um, not really interesting. Uh, I feel for for us necessarily. I don't think he's going to have much of a chance to uh, to to get any points. Or I mean, I, I feel at this stage, if they just get the car in the track, you know, for the first lap, they get around the track for the whole race. They'll be on the right course. That's probably where they need to be right now. But um, yeah, so poor Fernando Alonso. It's hard not to want. It's hard. You want to pull for for McLaren, but it's also hard to desire to see him in that car next year. Um, it already took Jensen Button from us. I feel not that maybe he would have won a championship in a better car. Um, even the year he won, he was you know he had a, a there's a degree of luck there as well. But I guess there always is. But yeah, it's a it's a big shame that we're sort of being denied uh, Fernando Alonso um, at the moment. Uh, big shame. All right, we got a bunch more stuff to cover here on Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. Um, so uh, actually, you know what? Here, let's do this. Uh, list of Triple Crown winners. I decided to, to look this up. Um, we have a list of uh, of the winners of, of those We've done it. Is, is Graham Hill the only one that's done it? Is that accurate? Wow. Uh, the following table includes the alternative definition of winning the Indianapolis 500 plus the 24 hours of Le Mans plus either the Monaco Grand Prix or the Formula One World Championship. Um, I guess there's different versions of it. No, Indy 500, Grand Prix, and Le Mans are the ones. 17 drivers in motorsport history have completed all three legs of the Triple Crown and have won at least one of the events. Juan Pablo Montoya is the only driver to uh, have won two of the three events. That's fascinating. So nobody's done it? Is that true? Interesting. Graham Hill won, uh, Graham Hill, sorry, won the Indy f- uh, 500, or Indy, Indianapolis in the same year that uh, England won the World Cup in 1966. Uh, he won Le Mans in 1972. Um he was also the winner of the Monaco Grand Prix f- uh, five times, and of course the champion twice. Um, so I'm not really sure why they're not saying he didn't do it. I guess, does it not count? Does it have to be the same year? I don't know. Uh, a couple of people got close. Uh, Jacques Villeneuve won Indy in 95 and was the champion in 97. But that doesn't really count. I guess that there was an alternative table just in case. As the as I said a second ago, Juan Pablo Montoya uh, won Indy in 2000 and 2015 was of course uh, the winner of the Monaco Grand Prix in 2003 um, Andretti drove an F1 of course won the Indianapolis in 1969 uh, Emerson Fittipaldi won in 89 and 93 uh, late in his career he was the champion in some of the early 70s ones uh, Bruce McLaren won Le Mans in 1966 the same year that Graham Hill won uh, Indianapolis and was also the winner of the Monaco Grand Prix in 1970. Uh, AJ Fort, uh, sorry, Foyt won uh, Indy four times, won Le Mans in 1967. In fact, he won Le Mans and Indy the same year, um, but never raced in F1, I don't believe. Um, and uh, yeah, a couple of other names thrown in there as well. So there you go. I guess maybe the, maybe because was Indianapolis not the 566? Is that why Graham Hill? No, I don't know. I don't know. Live research right here. Anyway, let's get on to Spain. Let's move it forward a little bit. Uh, Spain. Spanish drivers. Fernando Alonso. I'm trying to think of what else we got. Carlos Sainz Jr., of course. Um, another uh, great driver. I'm trying to think of any other... I guess... Jaime Alguersuari? 
He's not even... He's from Barcelona, I believe. Um, doesn't actually race anymore. He actually retired. I was reading a while ago. Um, he was. Uh, he had a stinted virgin for the first year of Formula E, I think. Uh, but has uh, sadly departed the world of motorsport. Um, I remember I read something recently where he said he was basically like falling out of love with his girlfriend. Like he just kind of like got sick of it and... Um, if I'm not wrong, I think he like DJs in Ibiza or something. Now. <laughs> I think he has like a studio in Barcelona or something. Uh, so maybe he'll be at the race. We'll have to wait and see. Um, uh, but Catalonia in the past 10 years has actually had uh, 10 Driven drivers uh, win it. We had nine in a row. And then last year, Max Verstappen pipped it. So we've we've had that extended again. It's been a wonderful a decade for uh, Circuit de Catalonia. Catalonia. Uh, it's gone through a little bit of changes in that time as well. The sort of circuit area has been reset. Uh, the arena area, rather, has been redone by, by Herman Tilke. Um, but to run through those 10 years, we got uh, in 2016, of course, like I said, Max Verstappen uh, took home gold. Nico Rosberg won the previous year. Uh, before that, Lewis Hamilton won. Um, Fernando Alonso won in 2013. So we have a very long way from that right now. Uh, Pastor Maldonado won in 2012. Um, with incredible scenes of him being hoisted up uh, by the second and third winners um, uh, that year. Sebastian Vettel won in 2011. Mark Webber won in 2010. Uh, Jensen Button won in 2009. Kimi Räikkönen in 2008. And Felipe Massa, another um, was once retired driver, uh, won in 2007. And I believe the year prior to that, in 2006, it was Alonso as well. I don't have it here, but... Um, yeah, I mean, if Alonso wins again, he'll have broken the record. That would be something we'd we'd like to see. We're probably not going to see another winner this year. I'm trying to think who's not on that list, who's competitive. I guess Daniel Ricciardo, if he won, would be would be in there. Uh, but everyone else is sort of accounted for, unless we have a, a Sergio Perez or someone pick up from the back. Um, actually, if Valtteri Bottas would do it as well, Nedel, I think. Uh, so yeah, if Botas or, or Ricardo, Ricciardo, uh, bring it in, then uh, I guess we'll uh, we'll be eleven wins in, in Catalonia. Um, the <laughs> circuits have been used uh, since 1992, which of course was the same year that Catalonia itself hosted the Summer Olympic Games. So it was part of that infrastructural build that was going on in the Catalan Republic. Um, they also got a, a, a Formula One circuit out of it as well. Prior to that, it was at Jerez and a bunch of other places. Uh, Spanish Grand Prix has been on the calendar for a long time. Bounced around the European Grand Prix circuit a little bit as well. Um, along with some of the uh, the French and German circuits, of course, uh, back when that was the thing, um, and is now the only race that's occurring in uh, in in the Spanish continent. Of course, we've sort of missed out on Valencia um, for the past couple of years. Uh, in terms of overtaking, or in terms of the profile of the track, it's quite a hilly uh, uh, track, and it it doesn't cover that much land. But there's a lot of up and down. There's not many. Uh, flat straights. The back straight, I believe, is on a hill going upwards. Um, the main straight's relatively flat. It's also a DRS straight, and it's uh, it's quite long. And turn one right at the end of that is basically the hottest overtaking zone of the entire track. Uh, turn 10, exiting the back straight, going into the arena section is also quite an overtaking spot. Um, that also has the benefit of having an extraordinarily large runoff area, uh, which turn one does not have. It's got gravel, so if you're stuck out there, there's a very good chance you're not getting out of it. Um, turn 10, like I said, that arena section, it sort of pulls into turn 11, 12, 13, all the way, I think, to 17, I'm going to say, turns in that section. I should probably look that up. Um, 
that uh, 16 sorry the 16 turns in in, in the circuit uh, that whole section it's got quite a lot of runoff um, it also bunches up the cars a little bit to try and kind of get them a little bit closer for turn one um, which I believe is called Elf <laughs> I think that's called the name of that turn uh, it's a it's a, a fun little section um, uh, and yeah that, that whole part if I was going to Catalonia would be where I'd get the get my seats for sure um in terms of this weekend, I mean, it, it, we're, we're running into a section where we need to see how the Ferraris are pacing against the Mercedes, and then we'll be able to to go from there. It's uh, we're you know it's like a, a race by race at this stage just to see because it's not only are we seeing where the Ferraris are strong and where the Mercedes are strong, but we're also you know this early in the season especially there's quite a lot of incremental change happening in between each race, um, not necessarily in terms of testing or anything, but just in terms of uh, setup and 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 the teams reacting to both the tires and, and the, the period and how it's operating. So it's going to be interesting. Practice is going to start uh, tomorrow, I believe. Um, uh, and we'll have to wait with bated breath to see how, how that's all going. Uh, this is the part where Drew usually asks me to, to shout a bunch of crap, which seems a little bit weird with me doing it on my own. Could I get like an auto... I'm going to get like an auto generator thing to like to do it here. So here we go. Race around the W O R O R O R O R O L L L L D. World Touring Car Championship is in the Hungara Ring. Everyone's favorite Ermagerd circuit, the Hungara Ring. Uh, SBK is back. It's in Imola for round five. That is the um, uh, circuit, of course, which was prominently in Formula One for many, many, many years. Uh, it's named after Enzo Ferrari, right? Autodrome Renzo. Adini Ferrari, I think. Uh, that's going to be a, a fun one for SBK, especially as we are missing MotoGP this week. They were in Hereth, I believe, last week, and I think Le Mans is up uh, in the following week, so they've got a, a little bit of a break, um, which is fine because there's no shortage of racing happening uh, in Spain or France. Formula E going to Monaco, you know, whatever, San Marino, France adjacent, the city-state. Uh, for the latest round in Formula E, not all kicking back in as well uh, again, which is great. Uh, NASCAR. I don't know how. I don't know how Drew does this because I looked up the NASCAR stuff, and there's like 14 races on NASCAR this weekend. I think. <clears throat> I think the main one is called the. Where is it? Here it is. The Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series Go Bowling 400, May 13th at 4:30 p.m. Western. Uh, We've got a. I'm gonna name all these. We got the NASCAR Camping World Truck, the Toyota Tundra 250, uh, taking place on Friday, 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 May 12th. We've got the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series Go Bowling 400. That's uh, Saturday, uh, May 13th, um, which is uh, on this beautiful, beautiful weekend. Uh, it's a 4.30, actually. It's on Fox Sports 1 if you want to watch that one. And uh, no DTM this week. Uh, there's no DTM. Nobody's DTM this week. So I guess you're just going to have to play with yourself. Uh, but more important than that, the Spanish Grand Prix. The uh, Spanish Grand Prix at the Circuit de Barcelona, Catalonia is on. These are, of course, Western Times. It is on this Weekend, the 14th of May, which is Sunday, Sunday, Sunday at, um, actually, no, he does, he does practice first, doesn't he? The 12th of May, P1, that's tomorrow, Friday, 
depending on when you're listening to this, time is relative. It's at 1 a.m. Jesus Christ, Pacific time. Uh, that's maybe the worst time possible. Second practice is on at 5 a.m., which is slightly more digestible. Actually, maybe that is worse. Uh, time is relative. Third practice is on Saturday, the 13th of May, at the hot time at 2 in the morning. Uh, quali is on that... Uh, Sorry, that's a third practice here on the 13th on Saturday. Quali is on Saturday morning, 5 a.m. Uh, that's fun, fun times. And then 24 hours later on Sunday, 5 a.m. Pacific, we kick it off with a bunch of laps around a very fun track in Barcelona. I'm trying to think how many laps they do in F1. I'm going to guess... It's a long... I'm going to guess... 58. <laughs> and now I look it up. How many laps are at the Spanish Grand Prix? Drum roll, please. 66. I'm an idiot. Okay. That may sound close. That may sound close, but it's not in Formula 1. How many laps are at Monaco? Monaco is 78. Jesus. Okay. And then we'll just do spa. Instead of Spanish Grand Prix, we'll do spa-dish Grand Prix uh, to see about, see about that, see if it's anyway close. 44, wow. I guess there is more of a spread there. Fair enough. Uh, if you want to follow me, I'm at Danny O'Dwyer on Twitter. Drew is at Drew Scanlon. Um, you can follow us, of course, on uh, Twitter as well using Shift F1 Podcast. Uh, you can follow Drew's Patreon at, at ClothMap and mine at NoClipVideo. Uh, you can go to patreon.com forward slash ClothMap if you want to see what he's doing in um, in the... I think Did he go to Amsterdam as well? I think he went to Amsterdam and Ukraine. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes in Ukraine if he gets into Crimea or does any of that stuff. You'll have to wait and find out. Um, and if you want to follow my stuff, it's patreon.com forward slash Danny Dwyer. It's all about video games and documentaries and stuff like that. So it's nothing to do with F1, but if you feel like you want to support the podcast, we're happy to do this, um, uh, you know, regardless. Um, but people were asking. So if you feel like you want to, maybe throw us a couple of bucks that way, but uh, we're, we're not going to we're not gonna stop doing this based on that, so. Um, your listenership is good enough for us. Um, F1.cool, of course, for updates um, on, on everything we're doing. If you want to get in contact, go to f1.cool forward slash emails, fill out that form. Apologies for no emails this weekend. Um, it was too late before I realized I actually didn't have access to that. And uh, Next week, I'll have a proper podcast with a guest to talk about what happened at the Spanish Grand Prix. So, uh, as always, if you want to uh, uh, watch the race, we'll be back uh, next week with our breakdown of that. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Apologies if it wasn't what you were looking for in terms of both myself and Drew um, chewing the fat uh, for a pre-race. Thought it'd be nice to keep it nice and light, um, especially this late in the week as well. Uh, so, thank you as ever for listening to our podcast, Shift F1. It's been a pleasure doing it for the past couple of years. Uh, it's been a fun, it's been an interesting season. I feel like without Valtteri winning last week, I would be looking back on this season with less rose-tinted glasses than I am. Um, so I guess we'll just have to see what happens in Spain. If ever there was a race that would give us an interesting winner, it would be in the Catalan Republic. So here's hoping for a good race this weekend. Wherever you are, hope you're having a wonderful time. Take care of yourselves. I will see you next week here on Shift F1. Yum!